Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. You are in the spotlight with Brian Garner for this Thursday. Pardon me, Thursday, January the 29th, 2015. Good to have you all here for our second of three shows this week. Episode 501, we want to thank all of those that tuned in to our 500th episode Tuesday night. It seemed like people really liked what we did with it. I'm... Uh, it wasn't, you know, it was a real bit of a risk. I mean, it wasn't the biggest way to celebrate, but I think we did a, as good of a job as we could, especially with, you know, one week to get it together. So I think we did a pretty decent job. But it seems like from the comments and reactions that we've received that we did, so I'm pretty pleased with that. Um, so thank you to those that tuned into that show and participated. We really do appreciate that as we appreciate all of you that tune in and uh, participate in our shows and interact with us. We always appreciate that. Um, so on that note, before we get going, let me remind you all the ways which you can participate, interact with us, and contribute to our show. You can do so by emailing us at itspotlightbg at gmail.com. And it's itspotlightbg at gmail.com. My email as well as the shows, and don't and and please remember to put in the subject line of your email some idea of what your email is about. If it's feedback, if it's for the in the spotlight film awards, which is important because tonight the nomination ballots are due at nine o'clock p.m. Eastern time tonight. So you got less than a little less than an hour to get those in. Um, and again, you can only do that by email. So you you know if you're going to send those in, any of you last minute. People out there, you get those in, you label them film awards or ballot, nomination, you know, give it something. And that's what I mean. Just give us some idea of what your email is about, what segment it's for, who on the show might be reacting to or addressing. Just give us some idea. It helps us a lot, and we appreciate it. You can also follow us and tweet us, at ITSpotlightBG. Again, that's at ITSpotlightBG. That's my Twitter handle as well as the shows. And please remember to use the hashtag, hashtag ITSpotlight. Again, that's hashtag ITSpotlight for anything you tweet regarding our show. You can also follow us on Facebook. To find our fan page on Facebook, search us using our full show title, In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find our page, like our page, and go ahead and post whatever you'd like to post, Facebook, Twitter, or email, regardless of how you post or send your comment, your reaction, or whatever you send to us, if you post or send it on Facebook, Twitter, email, whatever the case may be, I assure you, Jeff Tech or myself will see it. We check, look at it, and read everything, even if we don't reply back or use, mention, or acknowledge it on the show. We do look and read and check everything. We split it up. You know, we check everything. We make sure it's all read. So don't be alarmed and don't panic if you don't get a reply back from us or if you don't hear us mentioning it on the show or something. That's for sure. We do look and check and read everything that you send or post. There's so much. We just can't simply reply back or use everything. So... And we don't even acknowledge, remember, folks, those of you that are new to our show, we don't even acknowledge when we actually use something, you know. I, we oftentimes just play devil's advocate. If enough people, like if we're talking about an issue, you know, 
a lot of times I'll read that look at look at the emails we've got on that because whenever you whenever any of you want us to talk about a topic, um, obviously when you broach the topic to us, like okay, I want you guys to talk about this, you know, you obviously a lot of times will express your viewpoint on that topic, and you know if I get if it's a controversial topic, a controversial issue, you know the email the the messages that we get. You know that that express these opinions. I often bring these opinions up in the discussion of that particular issue to represent you and bring it into the discussion, and and that and then we express our reaction to that and go into it. You know that's how it works. And I don't, you know, not we don't always get um, uh, names on the email. It's just your whatever screen name or whatever email address you have. And so a lot of these emails are anonymous. Some of them aren't, but you know. So that's why we don't really go, all right, we got this email from Sally and wherever, you know, we don't do that. We just kind of look through, and if there's things that need to be brought up, we bring them up. So and if somebody wants credit for what the, the point that they make or somebody wants credit for the topic that they submitted or something, then they can make that known. They can say, hey, you know what, can you credit me on the air for this or something, and then we will do that. But nobody ever asks for it, so we don't do it. But anyway... I'm going off on a tangent here, and I'm kind of stalling because I'm waiting for my co-host to jump on the line. He hasn't done that yet, so. But anyway, um, just be assured we do look at and read and check everything. I know oftentimes I get questions, and that's the right reason why I keep bringing this up. Oftentimes we get que- I get questions from people, um, emails from people. Oh, you know, I send, I keep sending stuff to you, and, it's, and I think it's more so newer listeners. And I'll get like, oh, I send all this stuff to you, and you never reply back. We we can't simply reply back. We get so many emails every day. I, I, we simply can't reply back to everything. We simply can't mention or use everything. It's just impossible. So just be assured that we do. If you've sent something or posted something, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, or via email, we do get it, and we do look at it, I assure you. As I said, tonight is the deadline for the 5th Annual In the Spotlight Film Award nomination ballots. They are due at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time tonight, which is in about, let's see here, 40 minutes. So you got about 40 minutes to get those in. So far, Jeff Tech told me, based on the ballot request that we have sent out, we should be missing about 32, which isn't bad at the 11th hour here, but it's, a little more than I thought we'd have. So you 32 out there that we are counting for right now that haven't gotten your ballots in yet, you have about 40 or so minutes to get those in. Again, if you're a minute or two late, I'm not going to go crazy, but come on, let's get, get them in. The deadline again, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Next Thursday, we will announce the nominations for the 5th Annual In the Spotlight Film Awards. Of course, the Film Awards, the 5th Annual edition of our film awards will be taking place on Thursday, February 26th. So we are approaching that. Once we get the nominations announced, it's going to be very quick. we only got a few weeks to, uh, you know, for voting and to count the votes. So it's going to be quick this year. But so far, so good with this process in the shortened time that we have to do it. So I don't have any worries. I think we'll get it done just fine. So, Next Thursday, that means that will be a big show because we'll be announcing the 5th Annual In the Spotlight Film Award nominations. That will take up the entire show next week. 
So that will be a special show. We always make a big deal out of it. We announce the nominees. We talk about them, react to them. So that will be what our show is all about on next Thursday's program. So you know what we're doing next Thursday, without a doubt. What are we doing next Tuesday? Well, that means that's going to be a sports entertainment combo show. Um, well, obviously we have our college basketball segments, our, our tourney talk and tourney 10 um, segments. We'll talk about any major headlines from sports outside of outside of the NFL because we covered the NFL on Football Friday. So you know MLB, NBA, etc. We'll talk about it. And of course, we'll do our box office beat. We'll do we're doing that tonight, but our next edition will be on Tuesday. And if we have any time, we might do other things like TV picks of the week, etc. But that will be the show on Tuesday. And of course, like I said, next Thursday, the fifth annual in the spotlight. Film Award nominations will be announced, and next Friday will be our last edition of Football Friday, where we will recap the Super Bowl and, you know, see how we, how me and Jeff took in on our picks for the Super Bowl and talk about, like, the Super Bowl commercial. Everything, everything that has to do with the Super Bowl, we'll talk about it, and we'll wrap up our NFL season discussion, you know, wrap up our season discussion, look back at the season, and look ahead to the off season and next season, and that'll be it. Our second to last edition of football in the Spotlight Football Friday will be coming at you tomorrow, though, broadcasting live here on Talk Show between 2.30 and 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. We will preview the Super Bowl, make our, me and Jeff Tick will make our official predictions for the Super Bowl. It's important. It's very important because it was ever one of us. Now, I'm, I'm assuming we picked the same team. Otherwise, we'd have to go to different tiebreakers. I, I, I assume we picked different teams. Pardon me. Otherwise, we have to go to a tiebreaker. But whoever wins, um, assuming we pick the same, assuming we pick different teams, whoever wins the Super Bowl, and whoever gets the pick right wins the pick six challenge for the year between me and Jeff Tech. So we'll do that tomorrow. We'll obviously preview the Super Bowl, analyze the Super Bowl, do all that stuff. It won't be a long show tomorrow because we have no games to look back on. We just have one game to look at, and that's Sunday's game, the Super Bowl, and. We have one game to really analyze. Of course, we will talk about other things like Defoit Gate and all the other issues. Marshawn Lynch, which we haven't even touched on yet. We'll talk a little bit about that. So it won't be a long show tomorrow, but it will be an important show as we look at the Super Bowl and all things that go along with it. So that will be tomorrow. So I told you what's going on tomorrow. I told you what's going on all of next week. What's going on tonight? Well, here's what's going on tonight. We have a strictly entertainment show for you tonight. We'll present our latest edition of the Box Office Beat. We will um, do some uh, in the spotlight TV and film picks of the week. We will also, and at the end of the show tonight, now, you know, lately we've been doing a lot with the Entertainment 411 segment, which we started about a month and a half ago, where we kind of go through a couple of entertainment topics that either you guys and girls out there that, um, you know, submit them to us or our topics that we push to, to discuss and think that you would should be discussed. Basically, it's topics that either you got you, you out there, the listeners, want us to talk about or topics that we think are important enough to discuss or that our audience would like us to discuss. And, we you know, that's what we've been doing a lot of in these entertainment shows is going through some of those topics in our Entertainment 411 segment, give our reactions to these kind of things and kind of topics and stuff. And we've been doing a lot of that lately with entertainment. You know, and it's been good because we've been going, going back to discussing entertainment news and the news that you want us to discuss, the news that we feel like you want us to discuss. And, well, we're not going to do that tonight because there isn't really a lot there to discuss tonight. So in lieu of that, we are going to do two issues that a lot of you have been wanting us to talk about. Two issues. 
One of which is Johnny Depp and his box office drawing power, which seems non-existent now. We'll talk about that. Uh, and we'll also talk about an issue that actually ties into wrestling. So you wrestling fans out there, this kind of ties in with you. I should have put that in the show description. Do you always, Should you always listen to your audience? This is a wrestling issue, but it's also a TV and film issue. You know, especially with the advent of the Internet, social media, there's more ways than ever to get feedback on things now. And I've seen a lot of discussion about this in, over the years, but especially now, some t- people, and it's, it's been the rights of issues, should you always listen to your audience? Especially when the it seems like every single person has a different idea of what should happen on a show or in a movie. You know, everybody's different. We all have our life. Some of us agree on, on the basic gist of things, but not in every specific thing. So we're going to talk about that later tonight. So two topics, kind of like the special report thing. We haven't done this in a while, and we're going to do a little bit of that tonight. My co-host is on the line now, so I'm going to bring him on before getting to some breaking news. Mike, you are in the spotlight. You know what I've noticed? Every single time you bring me on the line, you always do one of these deep... Well, those deep sighs, like because I actually, I act. That's me exhaling because I feel like I, I rattle and go on and on really quick because I'm never sure when you're going to jump on the line. So I'm trying to hurry through some things so that when once I get you on, I can just go ahead into what we're going to do. And yes, I with, a, with with a weird. Yeah, I know. I, you're not the first person that's brought that up, actually. <laughs> I get that from Jeff Tech, and I got that. Actually, a couple of listeners have actually noticed that, so <laughs> you're not the it's, first person to ask. Oh, I, I know I'm not the first person. It's just weird. It is. I'm just I'm not saying. Doing it's, I'm just saying, it's, oh, I don't I, know where to go with this one. Oh, deep breathing. Oh. I'm making you sound like Adam Sandler. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Anyway, allow me, you know, I'm I'm glad you, I'm, for some reason, I just thought thought of this. I should have made this now, but again, again, it makes sense to do it now because I'm about to introduce them. Um, First of all, everybody say hi to the third member of our team, who is very excited because he is going to Las Vegas tomorrow. Um, But no worries, he won't be with us for Tuesday's show. But he will be with us for Thursday's show because it's an important show. We're announcing the nominations that night. He is going to be doing the show next Thursday from Vegas. So... He, it, it's kind of, I mean, he, obviously we're not doing the show from Vegas. He is, but it's kind of it's going to be kind of fun to know he's in Vegas while he's doing the show. But anyway, everybody say hi to the very excited Jeff Tech. Now, two things, two things, two things. First thing, he will only do that show on Thursday if he hasn't been arrested yet. And there's a good chance that still might happen. However... He is, in fact, our technical guru. In terms of being a technical guru, he is the one you would not rely on if you need your email changed while he's on vacation 
And while you are desperate to finish the show, in terms of being a technical <laughs> guru in the history of the show. Oh, that that is very true. Both points you made are very true. <laughs> uh, by the way, Jeff Tech, I was because I was talking to some of our audience, our listeners before the show actually tonight, and some of these are uh, some of these listeners, um, Jeff Tech, were very hopeful that we that this Vegas trip would give us something, you know, some kind of special segment, you know, some kind of special episode for sweeps. It is, you know, it is. Even though you know we don't count our ratings or anything for anything, but it is sweeps now. Today is like the first day of like February sweeps, even though it's still January. So you know we could. I mean, hey, it, 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 other than I mean, you obviously are. He's having twins in two weeks, folks. He's going to Vegas next this week, and he's having twins. His twins are due the week after. So, yeah. Anyway, he's got a very exciting couple of weeks ahead here. Um. But, so we you know we're wondering, is there going to be like a sweeps thing here, you know? Can, can you give us anything? Can you recount your Vegas journey for us? Then again, if we ask him to do that, he'll take like a month to write it, so. But anyway, Jeff Tech will be joining us next week. I've seen a lot of people like, oh, if he's going to Vegas next week, how is he going to do the nomination like show? I'm like, well, that's a good question. How is he? And he figured it out. He's going to be, he's going to have his computer so, providing he's able to, he he'll be doing it. So, Jeff Tex from Vegas next week. That should be fun. <laughs> and I and I will believe his technical support when I see it or experience it because I don't believe it's going to happen. Yeah, I I, I have my doubt, and that's going to put me in a real big bind because. He plays a pretty big role in the nomination shows, like in the win in the award shows, because he's the person that gets everything and together for me and gets the final votes. And I might have to. I, I'm thinking I'm going to get a Plan B established. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, I think I have a week plan. to do that. So right, right. I'm pretty sure you can get a should, should get a Plan B, C, D, E, F, and G. Established, and I'm pretty sure C through G should not involve Jeff Tech whatsoever. No offense, Jeff Tech. In fact, you know what? Take all the offense, offense in the world for that one, <laughs> jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, uh, you, you you are making logical sense tonight. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> well, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it don't. And every other time, you can just kiss my ass. Because I honestly don't care. All right. Uh, um, I hold. Before, I hold grudges. I guess. I before we get blessed. going, let's get off the Vegas subject now and the Jeff Tech subject. Before we get going, I know this is an entertainment show. We're not going to discuss this topic. I just want to acknowledge that I have heard about it. We will discuss it on Tuesday because we'll be talking college basketball on Tuesday anyway. I want to leave it till then because we got enough stuff to do tonight. Um, there is some breaking news out of Duke. Rashid Suleiman has been dismissed from the team. Um, all we know is that he was dismissed from the program on Thursday. 
Um, he had not previously been disciplined, at least publicly all season. According to Coach Mike Krzyzewski, and this is a quote from him, Rashid has been unable to consistently live up to the standards required to be a member of our program. It is a privilege to represent Duke University, and with that privilege comes the responsibility to conduct oneself in a certain manner. After Rashid repeatedly struggled to meet the necessary obligations, it became apparent that it was time to dismiss him from the program. End quote. That is the quote from him. Suleiman is the first player to be dismissed from the program in the entire tenure of Mike Krzyzewski. Um, we, uh, we actually, to be honest with you, that's a really dubious honor. It is. That tells you something. That must mean that he had to do something. He's appeared in all 20 games this season, averaging 7.5 points a game, 2 rebounds, and 1.8 assists. Uh... I, now, remember, he, he at, at times he has started over the years. He is a bench player now, so it's not like it's going to – I mean, it does hurt Duke's bench a little bit. But nonetheless, I don't know. Duke is coming off a loss to Notre Dame last night. They traveled to Virginia on Saturday, um, which many are calling a must win because their ACC regular season title hopes are fading. They are 4-3 and three right now. So – um, so it would be a big game for them on Saturday. But, yeah, this is – and, and Rashid Suman is a junior, for your folks that do not know. Uh, we'll talk more about this on Tuesday because I, re- I want to see what's going to be going – I'm really anxious to see Duke on, on Saturday with Virginia because I'm starting to – given the fact that it's saying repeatedly that he didn't adhere to the standards, I wonder if this has, become, I wonder if this has been a, a distraction for Duke in some way. So okay. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen on Saturday. What you say? Go ahead, Mike. Just, no, just just a few things. We're going to discuss some more, and, and honestly, uh, uh, I I feel like we should discuss it more on Tuesday when we find out more about what what's going to happen. Obviously, Duke and the team would would love to keep it under wraps, but in this day and age, it would take a miracle for something as high profile as a. Is a dismissal from the Duke basketball team to stay under wraps. It, mm-hmm. it, it's just probably not going to happen. It's probably going to leak over the weekend. But well, so yeah, so but I mean, this guy. I mean, to be fair, losing him is kind of a big loss for Duke because this guy has played big in big games. Yeah. He comes off the bench. It's a timely three, or he's locking down uh, the other team's best player. This guy, this guy's a this is a big loss for Duke. He he does he doesn't have to score to make an impact, but he sometimes does. And there are times when all he does is just shoot threes, like every other Duke player. So this this is a big loss. So I'm curious to find out what what happened. There is. I want to point this to an. This is in the ESPN article that I'm quoting here. Um, last season, the coaching staff talked to Suleiman about his body language when things didn't go his way. He had specifically been called out for pouting and not celebrating his teammates while he was on the bench. According to ESPN's Jeff Goodman, it was an accumulation of a whole lot of residue. It had built up over time. Um, after Duke's win over Fairfield in November, Suleiman was asked by ESPN.com about accepting his new role on the team. He started 50 games his first two seasons, but with the additions of jo- Tyus Jones and Justice Winslow, 
at the positions that he would normally play, he would be forced to come off the bench as a junior. This is a quote from from Suleiman. Uh, and I quote, this was something that I had to really look in the mirror and think about. And I had to come to grips with because this team is really talented. They're not going to need anything too extra or out of the ordinary. If you just do simple and just play hard, you'll be successful, end quote. It looked like he had, apparently he had appeared that he had bought into his role, um, but maybe he did it and maybe he resigned the fact that as a junior he was take, put, put on the bench for freshmen. I don't know. Usually that kind of thing doesn't happen with Duke because normally Duke doesn't get the kind of freshmen they have this year. We stat many out at once, but they did. That's why they're projected to be so good this year. Um I don't know. That's all. This quote, this article is on ESPN.com and it is by Jeff Goodman. So if you, it's a very, it tells, gives you pretty much everything I told you, along with a few other details. If you want, to, if you're interested, to check it out. It's on ESPN's main page. Um, oh, it's by C.L. Brown. Pardon me. C.L. Brown uh, wrote the piece on ESPN.com. Um, so if you're interested in this piece and finding out more information, head over to ESPN.com and just look at this article. Um, and it'll give you some of the information that you would need. And we'll discuss it more in full on, on Tuesday. We might know a little bit more by then. And obviously Duke will be playing Virginia on Saturday, so we'll see how they do without him on Saturday. But it it, it really is a big story, um, especially in the light of the fact this is the first time this has happened to Mike Krzyzewski. He's had to dismiss a player. And that that alone should tell you something. Like if if, there, if he dismissed a player, there has to be a reason. So, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Brian. I have to interrupt. I have to yeah. interrupt. I, I, I got the full quote from Rashid Suleiman. It was all of that stuff you said, however, for the previous 15 minutes, he said, and I quote, wah, 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 end quote. So, I, I believe, I can believe that Rashid Suleiman was dismissed for disciplinary behavior, for whining like a toddler, and acting like one too. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, did, did that hit you below the belt? Because I'm not who, sorry. Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> no, it didn't. No, I, I I agree with this, and this is who Mike Krzyzewski is too. He, he's not going to tolerate. It does. The fact that they even brought up pouting and body language to tell you that that's probably where this is, and he, he was probably disrupting the team. That's probably what was going on, and the fact that it was going on over and over and over again, eventually he put his foot down, and hey, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't disagree with it. If, if he was affecting the team's, you know, performance and affecting other players, and wasn't being a good teammate in that, that's not Duke. And you know he ain't going to stand for it. So, and and, and you know what? It, it, it is interesting. And, we'll, again, we'll, I, I don't want to get into this now, but just to set it up for Tuesday, I have noticed that this is why I kind of want to see what happens on Saturday with Duke. There's been something weird about Duke this season. The talent's there, and early in the season you saw, like, it, it like they were doing really, really well. But over the last month and a half, and we we focused a lot on their defense and talking about their defense and how ba- bad it's been and everything. But there, you know, there's been more to it than that. Something has been off with Duke, 
And, you know, I think a lot of people thought, oh, maybe they're putting too much pressure on themselves, Coach K going for a 1,000, you know, maybe there was something of that. But there's been something. Like, the chemistry hasn't been there. It's, it's, it's like, you know, they're not, they're not helping each other out on the court. Like, you, you know, you see on offense, you know, uh, um, you see guys kind of like coach talking to each other. Duke's always been like that. The communication's always been there. And you don't see the same kind of communication, the eye contact, the body language is different. Something's wrong. And I wonder if maybe this in some way is involved in that. That's just an observation. Um, I don't know for sure. That's why I said if I, if, if we watch him on Saturday and all of a sudden – you know, things look different in a positive way, then we'll know that that might have something to do with it. If not, then it's just nothing. You know, it's just a good player that's got this mess. That's all. We'll see. All right. So with that being said, I just want to acknowledge because I've gotten a ton of emails about it. I know about it. We'll discuss it in full on Tuesday on our sports. So so let's talk about box office draws, shall we? Yeah. Shall Shall we talk about the box office? Yes, yes, we will do that. Then let's do um, that. Okay. So, oh boy, what 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 do we have to say about last weekend? Other than the fact that I, I, making any kind of projections for American Sniper seems like the worst thing you can do right now because it just makes like thirty million more than you'd expect it to. Like that's the second weekend in a row that. Basically, that movie really just wrecked all predictions. You know, obviously, Martin Luther King weekend, it it shattered box office records and it surprised everybody. And then second weekend, I'm like, oh, you know, 30 million. It'll repeat as number one, be 30-something million dollars. And what does it do? It goes out there and pulls off a $60 million weekend, $64 million to be exact, in its second weekend. And now people need to keep in mind that it it did open in December, so it's classified as a 2014 movie, even though it opened limited in 2014. Um, and right now it's already 10th on the 2014 list of grosses in, in, in domestically, and it's about to pass Big Hero Six. So it has done a phenomenal job. It's doing well internationally. It's, it's, it worldwide is doing well. Um, you would think that at, with the, at the Oscars, that might make a difference. You're hearing it won't, that it's not going to win. Um, but, you know, this is the movie that it is easily is going to be the, the, the most seen movie of the bunch. Easily. And, you know, and everybody's very positive about it. Those that have seen it are very positive. It's got incredible word of mouth from fans and critics, um, and it's continuing to do well, and it's going to have another good weekend this weekend. So, you know, it it really is incredible. Clint did this with Gran Torino, not nearly to this extent, Um, although what he did with Gran Torino was impressive too. Nobody saw saw that coming. You know, it opened in limited fashion, and it kind of built and built and built. Eventually, it, you know, and then when it opened, um, and then when it opened in uh, major theaters and had a major release, it really, uh, really did well. But, 
not nearly to the extent that American Sniper has done. I mean, you know, I'm sure his name and being on it helped. I'm sure Bradley Cooper being attached to it helped. But generally, I think the movie has sold itself. Yes, patriotism is definitely a big factor as well. Um, but I think what's really helped is the movie is good. And it's gotten good word of mouth. It's been well-received. And the movie is selling itself. At this point, the movie is selling itself. And the fact that it keeps doing well should tell you that. So, you know, outside of American Sniper, which has been the story of the month, um, I mean, you look at The Girl Next Door, it didn't do great, but it did well enough. Small budget handled itself pretty well. Um, handled itself pretty well. Uh, now... Out, uh, there's nothing you can really say about that. I mean, we figured that that movie would appeal to uh, younger audiences. J-Lo has a fan base, especially with Latinos. It's a, it's, a, it's a premise that's worked all the time, and it did here, and it did well enough. Not great, but well enough. I mean, it's a $4 million budget, and that that is where – and we're going to be talking more about this movie later when we talk about Johnny Depp. Mordecai screwed up. That kind of movie, okay, quirky, funny, even if it has major actors in it, okay, which it does, Johnny Depp, Ewan McGregor, Gwyneth Paltrow, why is that movie a $60 million budget? And I have seen that movie. That movie, I've seen movies that, um, with those kind of production values, done for $3 million. I can't believe that that movie was $60 million. If it was about the actors' salaries, they shouldn't have signed those actors because you can't tell me that a movie like that was going to make $60 million domestically unless they were banking on it doing better overseas, which it hasn't done any better overseas either. You can't tell me that you expect that movie to make big bucks. You can't. Those kind of movies don't. They never do. So given that movie a $60 million budget, was setting it up to fail to begin. We talked about this in the past. Why would you do that? At most, it should have been $10 million, At most. And then you maybe could have squeezed it out. And, and the level of promotion it got, which was actually more than I thought it would, but still wasn't great, I, I just don't understand it. I don't. So you look at The Boy Next Door. They set that movie up for success. Even if it flopped hard and made $5 million, it already made his budget back. And that kind of movie really didn't need a low budget because it's a high concept. It's a concept that's worked over and over and over again. So you knew that it had a chance at at least decent, uh, middling success. Morakai should have been the one with the $4 million budget because those kind of movies never do big business. That's not meant to be a knock on the movie. I quite enjoyed the movie. It's not a bad movie, but it, it, those kind of movies don't do well because they don't appeal to, to a huge audience. It's kind of like a niche audience that appeals, appeals to. That was a mistake. That was a budgetary mistake. And also on the, flip, on the side of flops this week, Strange Magic, George Lucas's animated property, which only made $5.5 million. We know that budget was probably high. So far, it's only made 6.2 domestically. I don't know if it's going to do anything internationally, but I don't think I don't think there's any saving this one. I question two things. One, I question the promotion, which was it's quote. I, I, at least I didn't see much of anything. 
um, until at least late in the game here. And two, I question the release time. You released this movie the weekend after Martin Luther King Day. If you were going to release a movie like this animated property, why wouldn't you release it the weekend that kids are off from school on Monday? Why on earth would you release this movie the week after kids had a kids had a day off instead of when the kids would have a day off? Or at least wait till President's Day. Now I know anime other anime movies will be around and stuff like that, but still, I mean, this is what what you again setting movies up to fail. Sometimes I wonder if these studios just lose interest or they have a falling out with the people behind the movie and they're like, just to be malicious, they move, they put the release date at a time when they know the movie's going to fail, even though they're going to lose money. Sometimes egos do conquer all, even over financing. And I, I, I can't imagine that who would think that was a good decision. But, but we're giving Mordecai $60 million budget and we're giving... Strange Magic, that release date. I can't, I can't fathom what exactly went into that thought process. A lot of you have asked me. I don't even know. I don't even know what they were thinking when they did but both decisions. And now both movies flopped hard, and there's no saving them at this point. They're not going to make their budget back, and they're just flops. And even in syndication, they're not going to do very well. So nothing accomplished there. Boy Next Door, fine. American Sniper, doing fantastic. Wedding Ringer. Doing just fine. $23 million budget, already over $40 million, no problems at all. Doing as well as you probably could have expected right now, given the competition and given everything going on. Doing just fine. Paddington, not horrible. Not horrible. We haven't talked much about that movie, but not horrible. It's $187.5 million. Internationally, it's obviously doing better, but that was expected. So it's doing just fine. Taken 3 is doing just fine. Not great, but well enough. Well enough that you're hearing rumors about taking four. Which is not surprising, really, said it was the last one. As far as the awards movies, Selma, Imitation Game, doing pretty well. Uh, Into the Woods, which, you know, has been a little bit of mainstream. Uh, it obviously is an awards movie, but also uh, a little bit more mainstream. Not doing horribly. $156.2 million worldwide, $50 million budget. Not great, but not, not bad. Hobbit's obviously doing fine. Unbroken hasn't done bad at all. Birdman hasn't done bad at all. Uh, Night at the Museum has done has been helped by its international growth. It's done okay. Almost $305 million worldwide. Uh... Black Hat's another example of why on earth did you give that $70 million budget to a movie? Um, you know, it's only made $11.8 million worldwide. Why on earth that? Given, and you know what? Again, that's one I also feel, even though it has a really good actor that's drawing right now in Chris Hemsworth. Why, why, why do you give that kind of release date to that movie and also barely promote it? It's almost like you wanted it to fail. Why? And again, when when you see that, the first thing you think about is there's something personal. Somebody fell either fell out of, fell out of love with that movie and said screw it, or somebody made somebody mad and and they said, well, let's just doom it to fail. I mean, I don't know, but whenever I see a high production budget and I see a movie essentially just tossed out there with barely any promotion on a crappy release date, that's the first thing I think about. So you can't even really hide it. There's no there's no justification for it. 
I mean, it has a good director, has some good actors in it. I don't understand it. But really, that seems like it was a theme at the box office. American Sniper dominating, Boy Next Door doing okay enough. For the most part, most of these awards movies doing either really good to decent enough, into the woods kind of hanging in there, despite the fact that people have a little bit higher expectations for it. And movies like Strange Magic, Mordecai, Black Hat, which has been out for a few weeks, disappointing, especially in relation to their budget, and just you can't fathom why things were handled the way they were of all three of those movies. Those are the storylines. Um, they won't necessarily be the storylines going forward other than American Sniper dominating because, you, you know, those movies that have already flopped are going to continue to flop and be after, you know, obviously they didn't do well last week. A movie like Blackhead hasn't done well over the last couple of weeks. They're going to be, you know, almost out of theaters <laughs> in the next week. Um, Boy Next Door is going to drop because anybody that wanted to see it probably already did. So it, we're we still talking about American Sniper. The Wedding Ringer and Taken 3 might hang in there for a little bit longer. For Mike Paddington, but outside of that, the American Sniper dominating and Boy Next Door kind of hanging around. You know, we'll be talking about a whole new crop of movies and potential storylines involving them next week. So, uh, it, it's a tale of two box offices surprising dominance in American Sniper and flops aplenty with Strange Magic, Black Hat, and Mordecai. So, Mike, you got any thoughts to add? The more money American Sniper makes, the less likely it is to win the Oscar. So I guess in that respect, go ahead, keep seeing it. Because it's not going to happen. Um. Hobbit passed $600 million overseas, which is extremely surprising, considering. Um, bringing that total to 867 And it's still the least, uh, least, least grossing movie of the entire Lord of the Rings series. I want to say that's surprising, but it's not. Especially since through the reaction to the movie. I have yet to see it. I want to see it. So a little disparaging that I haven't. Um Paddington is already uh Paddington's already profitable. That extra fourteen million is made here. It's just like, excuse me, that's not a pain. It's $39 million is made here. I looked at Boy Next Door. <laughs> um, but the extra, like, couple million is made here, uh, you know, icing on the cake. Now, Boy Next Door, Thriller, rated R. Did that have, because this is important, did that have boobies in it? I have no idea. Because uh, if it had boobies in it, I would suggest going to see The Boy Next Door. If it didn't, then screw The Boy Next Door. That sounds... Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not screw The Boy Next Door. <laughs> maybe <laughs> don't go see The Boy Next Door. I was wondering why you said it that way. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking. 
to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I honestly wasn't thinking. Uh, and, and the question, and I agree with you on the question, why would why would why would they give Mordecai sixty million dollars? Was there anything in that movie that needed to be sixty million dollars? No, not at all. Like I said, the only so, thing I can see they did use a little CGI for some things, but not to me. If anything, the only thing that makes any sense for it to have been sixty million is the salaries of the actors. Fair enough. I mean, that's. I mean, you you text me, so I, I know it's not, but the comparison is. It's like Johnny Depp wanted to make a better version of a Wes Anderson movie. And it sounds right. like he succeeded, which is all well and good, but it just didn't do great. Right. So, what are we looking at here? What was that $60 million? I mean, we're going to talk more about it, so... I don't know. I, I really don't have any other thoughts on the box office, so. Okay. There it is. Um, okay, so we jumped to how I did on my predictions. I actually did pretty well. Obviously, I, I did not do well on American Sniper. Nobody did because everybody thought about 30, 35. I had 35 million. I made 64.6, so I got that one wrong. Boy Next Door, I had with 15 million, I made 14.9, so I got that one right. I had Strange Magic at number three with twelve and a half million. It actually came in seventh with five and a half. Way off on that one. Most people were. And I, I again, people had a lot. People thought better of it. George Lucas was attached. Uh, uh, you know, I should have. I should have with the marketing and such. I should have thought lower than that. But I would never went that low. So I was still got it wrong anyway. Uh, I had Paddington in fourth with 11 million. Paddington was in third with 12.2, so he did a little better than that. Got that one wrong. I had The Wedding Ringer in fifth with 10.5 million. The Wedding Ringer actually did a little better than that in fourth with 11.3. Uh, Mordecai had sixth with 10 million. I thought at least we'd get to 10 million. Even if it got to 10 million, it still would have been well beyond its budget. That's why the budget thing is an issue. Um, it only made 4.2, so I was well off on that. I had taken three and seventh with 7 million. Taken three finished in fifth with 7.4, so I got that one right. Again, you have to be even 500000 which I was. Eighth, I had Selma with $5.5 million. Selma came in eighth with 5.4, so I got that one right. And ninth, I had the Imitation Game, $5 million. It came in sixth with 6.9. Actually doing better than expected, but then again, it also gained 414 theaters, so it went up 2.1% in its growth. So the theater gain probably helped. So it did a yeah, pretty good amount. Well, not a pretty good amount, but a little better than expected, so pretty good on them. So I got three right. Out of nine, which isn't bad. This time of year, I tend to get a lot more right because it's, some of these holdovers, it's easier to predict them. Um, all right, so three out of nine right for me on the predictions. Again, just to recap here, American Sniper was number one, 64.6, only a 27.6% drop-up, which is fantastic, and gained 150 theaters. Um, its budget is $58.8 million, but obviously no worries on that. Uh, Boy Met Store debuted in second with 14.9 million. Pantin stayed in third with 12.2 million, only a 35.3% drop off, which is very good. And it gained 52 theaters, which is good too. Dropping from second to fourth, The Wedding Ringer, 11.3 million, a 45.2% drop off in the second week, which is expected, so no big deal there. Dropping from fourth to fifth, Taken Three, 7.4 million, a 49.6% drop off in its third week, which isn't bad. 
Uh, staying put in six imitation games, 6.9 million. Again, we talked about 2.1% increase, gained 414 theaters, which is, which is good. Um, Strange Magic debuted in seven for 5.5 million. Again, that's not very good. Dropping from fifth to eighth, Selma, 5.4 million, a 38.3% drop up in its fifth week, which is a good, good showing for that movie. Obviously, the word of mouth and the awards buzz is helping it, too. Um, ninth, Mordecai, 4.2 million, which, again, is a terrible number. And those are all the movies we made predictions for. So um, that's the week at the box office. Now we look ahead to this weekend, which, once again, we've talked a lot about this over the last few weeks. If you look at it, 2015, for January and February to see so, – well, maybe not, not necessarily February, because sometimes February and March are bigger box office months. March, we all know, has become a huge month. February has a couple weeks in the middle of February, you know, around – time people are on winter break, President's Day off and stuff, you get like maybe two weeks where this happens. But January, this has got to be the first January, at least I remember, that has featured pretty much, aside from the first week of the month, has featured at least three movies out, major movies out every week. Three major releases every week for like three straight weeks. I don't remember a January ever like that. Sometimes you get two, but three, it's been unbelievable. And the majority of these movies have done okay. So it's, but it tells you the kind of year that 2015 is. And they also support, I mean, it's a year full of movies. But also, we've been talking about this the last year or two. With the summer being so full of movies now, so full, so full of big movies to the point where you're having major, like two or three major releases every week. And now you've seen other movies reach out to other times of the year. You know, obviously during the holidays, there's even more now. And then months like September and January, um, October, which is already always was a big month, but April even, have become bigger months because they're, these studios are looking for places to put movies. It shows you now what, how the summer has impacted the rest of the year because now in January we're getting all these major releases we normally wouldn't get several all at once it's just in, in one weekend it's, it's crazy um and here's another week where we get that we get three major releases and a, a, a release that's expanding let me tell you about the expanded release first a most violent year a drama thriller from a24 is expanding into 818 theaters this movie stars oscar isaac who will be in the next x-men movie as a villain um, Jessica Chastain, David Oyelowo, and Albert Brooks, so a very good cast. That already made $1.3 million domestically. It has had some awards buzz around it, so if you're interested, check your local theater listing. But this movie will be expanding into 818 theaters this weekend after uh, it's obviously been in limited release, but now it's further expanding. Um, outside of that, what's the major releases? Well, let's get right to them right now. Uh the biggest release this weekend is a film called Project Almanac, a sci-fi film from Paramount opening in 2,893 theaters, PG-13, um, basically a fairly unknown cast, you know, kind of like, if you remember Chronicle, fairly unknown director, just kind of, this is, this is kind of like this year's Chronicle, you know, and to an extent, it's like, you know, over the years we had Project X, 21, oh, you know, some, Project X is one of, not 21 over, that was a different movie. Um, for Project X, now this ain't obviously a party movie like Project X was, but it's that same kind of thing. You know, a movie that's featuring pretty much unknown cast. It's got a, it's got the found footage vibe to it kind of thing, not completely, but it's kind of like a 
blend of found footage and normal camera work. Um, this year, it's, it's like this year's Chronicle in a way. Um, it's got that same vibe to if you've seen the trailers and the advertisements and such. Been very, very well promoted. It's everywhere. Um, they've been doing the whole audiences, showing the audiences reacting to it kind of thing. And, you know, it gives off the vibe that there are some elements to it that are very, very, very intense. That kind of, I don't say horror-like, but thrower. And that's what it's going for. It's trying to be a thrower. Um, but attached to it is Michael Bay. He is one of the producers on it. And they're making sure you know that. So they're hoping that his name will appeal to people on this particular project. I don't know what to expect from it. This this might be one of the hardest movies to read as far as what it can do that I can remember in a long time because I, I have seen some interest, um, but not a huge amount. I, I feel pretty confident it won't get number one. I think American Sniper will. But, you know, some, I, my, something in the back of my mind keeps telling me that this movie could surprise. I don't know why, but... I can't seem to let go of that notion that it can. I just can't bring myself to say it'll make enough to get number one. So I don't know what's going to happen with this movie. Um, I've seen any. I've seen people thinking the same thing, like it could potentially surprise people. But then you look at how this box office month has gone, and there's been so much success, especially with American Sniper. Um, a lot of these awards, like Selma, Imitation, that have done really well too. So at some point, you've got to think that the box office is going to have an off week or maybe a week that some of these movies, including the new new releases, are down or don't do as well as you hoped or predicted. You have to figure that. And if it's going to happen, you would think it would happen before we hit February when some, some bigger movies are coming out, even more bigger movies are coming out. So I don't know how to read this one. You know, and the other thing you got to remember, too, is this is Super Bowl weekend, and Super Bowl weekend traditionally hurts the box office. Maybe not on Friday and obviously not on Saturday, but on Sunday it hurts. And if you're a movie that appeals to, um, especially males, uh, men, and this movie could in a lot of ways do that, maybe more so young men, but still it, 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 you, could get, you, you can get really hurt on Sunday by the Super Bowl. So... Thankfully, the box office is, you know, more about Friday and Saturday. But because of that, because of that, that's kind of why I can't see it getting number one and beating American Sniper because American Sniper appeals to all um, audiences, older and younger, depending on your interest and depending on what if you want to see it or not. Um, and I, I think Project Almanac is primarily younger, so... I could see more people going out and seeing American Sniper on Sunday, especially if they're not interested in the Super Bowl, um, than I could Project Almanac. So I don't, I don't have as high hopes for it, but I, I can't get it out of my head that it could surprise. But we'll see. If it does, then that would be yeah, another big surprise for the box office. Um, the second biggest release is a film I actually just saw a trailer for last night. Cause I had no idea what it was about until then. I it's called The Loft. It's a, thr- a thriller from Open Road Films and opening in 1,841 theaters. It's R-rated. Good cast. Uh, Kyle Urban, James Marsden, Wentworth Miller, Eric Stone Street, Rachel Taylor, Isabel Lucas. It's got a really good cast. Um, problem is, 
And it's a remake of a foreign movie, too, by the way. And it's sort of an independent release, but not quite. It's getting a bigger release than normal. I mean, not much is expected of this movie. Obviously, it's not getting a high theater count. It has not been promoted very heavily at all. Like I said, last night was the first time I saw any content from the movie. In a tra- and that was in a trailer. I-, I hadn't seen any commercials for it. I don't expect much from it. I don't think it's going to do well at all. I wouldn't even be the least bit surprised if it doesn't break $5 million. I think if they had promoted it a little bit better with the cast they had, I think it could have done maybe around $10 million maybe. Um, but they haven't done very well by it at all. So I don't expect much from it at all, to be honest. Um, especially with this Super Bowl weekend, you expect the box office to do a little worse than it's been anyway. The third biggest release is a film called Black or White. It's a drama from Relativity Media opening in 1,823 theaters, PG-13, starring Kevin Costner, Octavia Spencer, Jillian Jacobs, Jennifer Allen, Anthony Mackie, so a very good cast. Again, I've heard a little more about this than I have about The Loft, I'll tell you that. And its cast is very good, but I don't expect a lot from it. Um, It is going to skew a little older at the box office, but I don't expect a huge number from it, like maybe 8 to 10 million, maybe. Um, So really the only movie of the the three major movies that you could see doing particularly well and perhaps getting number one is Project Almanac. And again, I do not... And I know it's listed as a sci-fi movie, which I think is their hope to try to get the sci-fi audience out, but anybody that's seen that trailer knows it looks more thriller-like than sci-fi. Even The time travel aspect makes it sci-fi, obviously the concept does, but the vibe and the feel of the film doesn't classify as a true sci-fi kind of movie. But anyway, I don't feel comfortable enough, even though I could see it surprising, something keeps getting in the back of my mind here, something keeps saying, it could surprise, it could surprise, and I just, I just, when I sit down to try to get a number for it, I, I can't bring myself to say, all right, it's going to surprise to the point where it gets number one and beats American Supper. I can't do that. And that's not just because of the super, it being Super Bowl weekend, it's just something about the movie, I just can't see it doing that. I don't know, given it's got, un, it's primarily unknown cast, but doesn't, you know, we've seen movies with unknown cast do well, Chronicle is one of them, but I don't know. I'm not too hopeful that it will do something really, really special this weekend. So I can't bring myself to it. But it, was, it wouldn't completely surprise me because I've already gotten in the back of my mind if it did. So before I get to my predictions, Mike, your thoughts. My thoughts? <laughs> On the box office upcoming? Yes, sir. Um. To be to be quite honest with you, uh, I I guess I, I, Jupiter was not Jupiter Ascending, Project Almanac. Jupiter Ascending is next week, but which one? Which one is Michael Bay attached to it? Oh, Project Project Almanac. Almanac. See, I didn't know Michael Bay was attached to that movie until you just said it. Although to be fair. I haven't seen anything on Project Almanac. I think I might have seen a commercial here, but I nothing to kind of get me uh, interested in it, to kind of go out and look. I'm more interested in the uh, Jupiter Ascending uh, movie. But now that I know that Michael Bay is involved in it, 
I'm really, really, really not going to go see it. Really not going to go see it. Um, I don't know. More interested in Jupiter Ascending. Even more interested in Kingsman. Secret Service. Hell, I think I'm more interested in Fifty Shades of Grey than I am in... Than I am with anything coming out this weekend. Oh, that's well. <laughs> well, let's just put everything into perspective. I'm looking more forward to Fifty Shades of Grey, which is a movie I'm probably never going to see, than anything coming out this weekend. I think I just answered the question pretty well. <laughs> oh, I don't regret saying that. I don't. Although the good news is, although the good news is, John Wick comes out next week on DVD. I haven't seen it, but I really want to. I have quite literally heard nothing but uh, interesting things about it. So, 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 Brian, we need to see John Wick. I can, yeah, that I think that should happen. Um. It should happen. It needs uh, to happen. Why okay, hasn't it happened, to... asshole? <laughs> oh, God. Time to make my predictions. All right. I've already explained kind of where I'm going to go here. You obviously all know I'm going to pick American Sniper to be number one, so I am going to do that. I'm going to go $25 million with the Super Bowl on Sunday and that I think the box office will trend lower this weekend than it would otherwise – if not for the Super, I think it would have been over 30. But I'll go $25 million for American Sniper. I'll go number two, Project Almanac, $15 million. Could be lower. Could be much higher. I don't know. I honestly could see it on the high end getting to $20 million. And it would obviously be, that'd be banking on a really good Friday and a good Saturday, um, depending on how good the movie is. But I just can't bring myself. I'm going to go very conservative and maybe even kind of lower than most would go. I'm going to go $15 million for it. Um, with the unknown cast net, you know, you factor it all in. That's what I'm going with. Third, the boy next door, eight million. Seems like a reasonable drop off. Fourth, the wedding ringer, seven million. Fifth, Paddington, five and a half million. And then sixth, I'm going to go with. And I'm not again. I always have to explain this, but I'm not going with a tie here. It's just that I think both these movies will be within five hundred thousand either way of five million. The Imitation Game and Taken Three. I think it'll be both in or around five million. So I'm going for five million dollar prediction for both. They one or both could easily get above Paddington at five and a half million. Um, I think those three will be very close. Everything else I think will finish above uh, below five million or not be close enough to five million to justify a prediction based on how they did last week and how they're doing this week. That seems likely that these will be the only movies in or around or close enough to five million to you know make predictions for and say five million or above. So. And classified them as five million above, so I'll leave it at that. Um, and again, based on the based on how these movies have, or uh, especially the holdovers, um, in regards to the holdovers, um, based on how these holdover movies done did last week, based on how they're doing this week, factoring in the Super Bowl, and then of course throwing in the new movies, and then factoring in the Super Bowl. This is how I think it'll go. So again, number one, American Sniper, twenty-five million. Second, Project Almanac, $15 million. Third, The Boy Next Door, $8 million. Fourth, The Wedding Ringer, $7 million. Fifth, Paddington, $5.5 million. Sixth, The Invitation Game, $5 million. And again, Taken 3 also with $5 million. I think those two will be right around there. 
those are your predictions for the weekend of January 30th, Super Bowl weekend, the last weekend of January, and the transition into February, which is always a big box office month. Um, it was what March. Uh, what March is now used to be February, and now March has become bigger than February, but there's still quite a few big movies in February. And starting next week, which will be the first full weekend of February, you do get into some of those big movies right away. And one's an animated movie, one's a sci-fi movie, and once again, another weekend for the fourth straight week, another weekend with three major releases. And it's not going to, and yeah, that string will be broken the week after when there's only two, but both of them are big releases that weekend. So I can guess, I guess I can see why it wasn't three, but and then you you'll get back into it later on in February with three releases again. But next week, three releases, major releases again: Jupiter Ascending, Seventh Son, and the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water, which I know Mike's been looking forward to for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your main we, we are still talking about Fifty Shades of Grey, right? No, no. We're not? No. Um, but, but, anyway, but I want to see S&M for middle-aged women. <laughs> anyway, those are your three major releases next week. We'll talk about those next week to start off February. Um, and by the way, uh, one of our listeners just uh, asked me about this. Um, and this is something, check your local theater listings as well. Um, Warner Brothers is running a Game of Thrones special showing uh, in IMAX theaters starting tomorrow. I have no idea what this is about, but I have gotten the, I have gotten the listing. I know that it's being shown in 205 theaters. Um, you obviously all know what Game of Thrones is. You obviously know it will be rated R. But, yeah, it, there is something, uh, a special event with Game of Thrones that Warner Brothers is doing at 205 IMAX theaters, so check your theater listings. I have no idea what it is. You can Google it, see what it's all about. But, yeah, I I do see that on here. Um, but I, I'm not quite sure what it's about to answer any of your questions. So I hadn't heard anything about it, to be honest with you. And I'm a Game of Thrones fan. I don't even know about it, so I should tell you something. So, um, yeah. All right, then. Uh, we now move on. Now, let me – this is one example of, of, of me being extremely mean with the show description because if you look at the show description, you will see that I said that we'd also have the latest editions of the In the Spotlight TV and Film Picks of the Week. Well, we won't be doing TV Picks of the Week, but there's no Film Picks of the Week to be had here tonight. Why Why is that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, right now, I'm trying to catch up on some movies from December that I was not able to see. So until I do that, we can't really do film picks of the week. So I'm going to try to do that over the next week um, so that in a couple of weeks we can do the film picks. Because I literally had put that in the show description, and I went back and was, hey, wait a minute. I didn't see, like, any movies in December but Annie. <laughs> so, um, yes, and cause that's because of the holidays and everything else. So, uh, until we do that, I can't really 
and Mike can, can count to that too. He didn't see anything really either. So no. we already covered. No, we we covered all November movies. I already covered Hunger Games. So there's no other movies to be to be meant to be mentioned that we've seen. There's a couple movies I've seen in January, but I don't want to get into January movies yet. It's too early. So we'll leave the film picks for another day when we've all caught up. But we will be doing TV picks right now. So I guess it helps because it saves us some time. Um, so we will do our TV picks of the week. And I will st- I think you started the last time, so I'm going to start this time. I think you started the last time because I didn't have any TV picks, to be honest. Um, okay. I have uh, thankfully I've been able to watch far more TV this week than I did last week, and I've liked more of what I've seen this week than I did last week, which is a good thing. Um, first of all, I was much more pleased with Arrow this week than I was last week, so that's a good sign. So I would definitely recommend that. I thought it was a much stronger episode, um, all the way around. So that episode I would recommend. I'm trying to avoid spoilers because um, they're, what they're doing right now, spoilers kind of ruin it. So I'm trying not to. I'm, I apologize for being very generic, but um, the other thing that I recommend this week is Agent Carter. Now there's only four episodes left after this week. I I think I said this last week. I was not very happy with the last episode of the show. The premiere was good. The episode that followed wasn't so much. I mean, it was okay. The show's not bad. It's just that I, I was wondering, and I still am, well, where are we going with this? Can we do something else to amp this up a little bit? Because Haley Atwell is having to carry everything, which we all kind of suspected she would. Well, finally, this week, and if you haven't seen it yet, they finally did two things that were really interesting and that made you wonder about where they're going. Finally. Um... Something interesting with Howard Stark, and then something interesting with one of the characters that at, at first did not seem like anything, and now might be a major something that could affect other things, major character that could affect other things. Very interested in where they're going with it, and not you know not to really, I mean this ain't really a spoiler because you can find this information anywhere right now. But next week we're getting the Howling Commandos. So that I'm very excited about. Really, and a really good cliffhanger this week that finally made something, like made the major plot have something of a direction too, and not just like more and more mystery being continuously added because that's all we've really been getting is more mystery, more mystery, more mystery, more mystery, and we're getting we're getting very few answers. And at the end of the episode this week, we look like we're starting to get to a point now where things are finally moving in a direction of finding things out. So. Really pleased. To me, it was the best episode of the run so far. Very happy with that this week. Um, outside of that, I got nothing, Mike. I guess I have a few shows that I want to bring up as my film picks of the week. TV picks. All right, whatever. TV picks. <laughs> uh, first of all, I have to pair what you said about Arrow. Only, I think Arrow's been good all season. has been building up to something very interesting. Arrow has been good. Uh, we have gotten 
some really cool twists and turns. I don't know uh, what's going on next week, but we've built up to something really good. I don't know if that's Oliver, who has come back to Starling. I don't know if Merlin is taking up the cause for uh, an episode. (laughs) But I'm super excited. This episode has put us in a really, really interesting position. Vinny Jones is doing some good work. And he's been doing some very work. (laughs) Because he has been one of the brightest spots of Gallivant. Really has. I'm only bringing Gallivant up as a warning. That's really how you not do a finale. I thought, there were two episodes, I thought the first episode of Galvan was fantastic. Good stuff. Uh, The second episode, look, everybody's a critic. Everybody has their opinion, but I I saw lots of opinions uh, that I agreed with. Like, they should have kind of ended this run. Uh, And if there's a season two of Galvan... (laughs) Uh, it should have it should have built to something different. Right. However, Gallivant finished season one and hopefully it gets a season two. Or or uh, gets another part of the season. I don't know. Hopefully we get more Gallivant because the story is completely unresolved. There was one plot thread was resolved, and that had to do with uh, Timothy uh, Ormanson, his brother's character, Kingsley. His plot thread got resolved. But we've got four others, at least. The Calvin Richard plot thread, the uh, uh, Gareth and Melodena plot thread. uh, what Sid's plot thread, Isabella and Cruz plot, four major plots, plot points, totally unresolved. Totally unresolved. I feel like they should have resolved all those within these two episodes and then left the plot thread out so we can have maybe a season two. But we don't know if there's going to be a season two. But I I recommend people watch it so that hopefully there is a season two. Hopefully we finally get some resolution here because Galavant was way too good to not get any resolution because that's just ridiculous. You don't if you if you are in the TV business don't ever don't ever finish a show that way. You always need to wrap it up at the end of the season to a point where, yes, if you're having more, you can move on, but you need to wrap it up. You need to wrap up the story enough for your audience to feel satisfied. But but I digress. My actual other film pick of the week is The Flash. Because The Flash, this week, we got the debut of one of the more legendary Flash characters, uh, Pied Piper. 
Uh, he's a rogue. He was an ally. In the show, he's different than he is in the comics. That's not surprising, obviously. Uh, he's more of a jackass than he allegedly was in the comics. He's more of a jackass. But I could see Pied Piper having a big role down the line, like he kind of does in in the Flash comics, or he did. I don't know. I don't really read it. But it was a great episode, too. It was one of the most complete episodes. It it kind of opened up some, some information on Harrison Wells. It kind of put a lot of stuff in motion here. Put a lot of stuff in motion, and I think Pied Piper is going to be one of those catalysts. It was a great episode. Go out of your way to watch Arrow and Flash. Um, great, great stuff. Great stuff. And to to that end, I do want, I do hope that for both shows. Remember, I I think I mentioned this to you a couple times off the air and on. They've been CW has been really promoting Arrow and Flash very well. Um, on other networks like ESPN. I really hope that they were able to, especially since they're spending, it seems like they're spending more money on marketing, If they, I hope they were able to secure a Super Bowl spot this Sunday. Because that would be a really good thing to do. If they're, if they're interested in, you know, they're doing all this on other networks and stuff, spending the money to market them, there's no better way to market them than having promos for them air during the Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, yeah, sure. That would be a really good thing to do. And... It would get some, give them some big attention, especially Flash. I mean, Arrow's doing just fine, but I mean, Flash could be doing a little better. It did hit? I think it hit a series low this week, but um, which is not a, which is not okay. That you guys need to be watching Flash. It gets better every week. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really worried about it because we're heading into a time like once you get beyond February, a lot of these shows get series lows. It's March and April. It's DVR. And it's it's a, it's it, what, these comic book shows all tend to be very heavily DVR'd, just the way it is. Um, but it is, it, I mean, you do have to kind of think about it and worry about it a little bit, a little bit. But I, I think it'll be okay. But still, the more marketing they do, the better. Especially since it's, it's especially with Flash, which is in its first season, you want it to get over as well as it possibly can. Um, all right, so again, film picks we'll try to get back to in the next few weeks once we've caught up a little bit um, on movies anyway. Um, all right, now we jump to the two topics that, and we're not going to spend, you know, I mentioned earlier, I was like, okay, we've kind of, because we've done this in the past, special reports, both in sports and entertainment. You know, we're not going to spend a huge amount of time on these. Obviously, we want to get off the air at a reasonable hour. But, you know, it's kind of like just us focusing on two topics that, Again, these are topics that a number of you have been asking me about, and we've, we've kind of touched on them in the past, kind of. It's just kind of allowing us a little bit of time to expand upon them. Um, and, I mean, one of, and, and they're both especially relevant. And I said one of them is especially relevant because of everything that's been going on in wrestling lately um, because that, this issue has come up quite a bit with it. Um, and that is the issue of should you always listen? And I got outdoor wrestling in here, wrestling, TV, film. Should you always listen to your audience? Especially with the with the Internet, social media now, there are more ways than ever to get your voice heard. You know, 
and obviously that means you're going to get a lot of opinions, and when you please one person or one group, you're displeasing another person or group. What do you do? Um, we'll talk about that in a few few minutes. The first thing I want to get to, though, is Johnny Depp. And we've talked about this a lot over the last, i say, two years. We talked about this a lot when Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides came out. And the movie did better internationally than it did here. And it didn't do horribly here. It just didn't do as well as previous Pirates movies had done. One of the things, it's been a huge um, uh, lightning rod of discussion the last couple of years as Johnny Depp has had not much success after really the la- after Alice in Wonderland. Um, you know, people consider the Fort Pirates movie at least domestically a flop, which I don't understand, but it, it is to them. Um, you know, he's done movies like The Rum Diaries, Transcendence, which should have been a slam dunk for a, a, a Box office success wasn't. It flopped. Um, And now Mordecai, which, again, we talked about earlier today, the budget was just horrible. But um, it's a flop. Now, Johnny does have two movies in the pipeline um, that you would think would get him back to some box office success. He has another Pirates movie, and he also has a second Alice in Wonderland movie. Many people think the second Alice in Wonderland movie will be the thing that kind of breaks that streak. Um, they don't have, Not too many people have high hopes for the Pirates movie. I think it will be another situation where it does better internationally than it does domestic. To me, it doesn't matter. If it does well, it does well. You know, I think we should be looking at it the whole way around. An interesting thing, too, let me just point this out. People, he wasn't into the woods, too. Yeah, he wasn't starring in it, and yeah, it looks like Disney didn't really focus too much on him in the advertisement. It was just more Meryl Streep, but he was in that movie, and it has done okay. So, you know, let's not think think that everything is as horrible for Johnny Depp. I mean, the fourth Pirates movie did did good. It just didn't do very as well here as past efforts did. He does have a couple other lesser projects, not lesser, but more independent, like more limited release kind of projects that are more serious which a lot of people are excited about because he's showing more of of his old acting style, which is more serious and less theatrical and over the top. Look, Johnny Depp is in the mainstream. He's known more for these larger-than-life characters. Some of these critics have to get over it. I'm sick of and And I'll just start this by saying this. I'm sick, and I'm sick of this whole idea that Johnny Depp is a lesser actor because all he does is take on quirky characters now. To me, it's, it's, it's ridiculous because somebody, Jack Sparrow, um, Mad Hatter, if you watch these performances, he's giving really fantastic performances. And I know it's like, well, geez, why don't you do a serious movie every once in a while? Transcendence was a serious movie. There was nothing over the top about that. It was a serious movie. You want people, all these critics are going crazy about, oh, we want him to go back to serious acting. So when they see that he's got a couple of projects coming up that maybe stray more towards that, they're like, oh, well, it may not be a mainstream release, might not be a major release, but I'm really glad Johnny's going back to his roots and starting to take himself seriously again. Taking himself seriously again. And, and I think that's what's going on here. Yeah, he's had a couple of flops. But the movies that have totally flopped outside of Transcendence have been 
you know, movies that are more niche movies, Rum Diaries, Mordecai, Transcendence was the only true flop. And you have to wonder if maybe that movie was just over people's heads. And if you, anybody that calls Pirates 4 a flop is ridiculous. I don't care if it only made 200-something million dollars domestic. First of all, what are we calling a, two, a movie that made 200-something million dollars domestically a flop? Because the domestic growth didn't equal its budget? Uh, it doesn't matter if the domestic growth doesn't equal the budget. How many movies have we seen over the years do what Pirates did, but none of them are considered flops? Is it just because Johnny Depp's in it and, and some of these critics want him to go back to making the movies that they like? Because if that's the case, then that's not the, the gen, that's not the general consensus. Because I can tell you right now, most people, if you go on the street, the general fans, the casual fans, the ones that don't have a stick up their rear end, that want Johnny Depp to just make the movies they want to make, are okay with what Johnny Depp's been doing and don't consider him an actor that's lost his drawing appeal. I can assure you of that. And again, and with worldwide growth, that movie made a, a, a ton over its budget. It was just fine. It made a significant profit. That's why it's making another one. And I know we can point out the Lone Ranger too, but I don't think you can blame that exclusively on Johnny Depp. I don't think I think people just rejected a western because a lot of these westerns that have come out over the years, Cowboys and Aliens. Um, Million ways to die in the West. Outside of Django Unchained, a lot of them have failed. We're going to blame it all on Johnny Depp? <laughs> to me, Johnny's only had one mainstream flop over the last few years, and that's Transcendence. And again, you wonder if that was more the movie than him. I don't think it's him. I think he draws. I just think it's, it's this, 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 this opinion... It's coming from people that, you know, are the same people that stick up their their collective middle finger at anything that's mainstream or commercialized. You know, the ones that think that we're, we're our film elitist friend out there who thinks that, oh, gosh, there's just too much dumbing down of, of, the, of, of films nowadays. When we're in an age now where most of these blockbusters, and I say most, not all of them, are trying to become more intelligent, and thankfully they have. So all it does is show me that people, some people, especially some of these critics, have a legitimate stick up their rear end, and they need to get it out and start embracing other movies besides, you know, movies that get seen by ten people. And I'm not saying, and I've said this before on the air, and I'll say it again. I know I'm not saying that these movies are bad movies. I've seen, I see a lot of independent movies, a lot of limited release movies. I love a lot of them. Some of them are my favorites of all time. So I'm not trying to make this about real movie versus big movie. What I'm trying to make it about is this. Sometimes people take their agendas too far. They want to see Johnny do what Johnny once did. They want to see Johnny Johnny do these serious movies like um, Boyhood. That's, you know, a big movie this year. Or um, The Imitation Game. No disrespect to Benedict Cumberbatch, but you know what I mean. You know, movies that aren't major releases right out of the game. Movies that aren't, according to some critics, designed just to sell toys. Which is ridiculous because if you think Pirates and Alice in Wonderland are just designed to sell toys, you've got another thing coming. Sometimes people, I, I, I understand 
Johnny should go back to doing some more serious roles and doing things outside of just Jack Sparrow and, and you know, Matt Harris. And he has done that. He has tried to do that. Rum Diaries, he tried to do that. Mordecai, he's tried to do that. Transcendence, he's tried to do it. Don't act like he's not trying to do it. He's varying it up. He's taking on projects that in some way, shape, or form he likes. And he's earned that right. To, me, to him, he probably doesn't think he needs to. Be, he he needs to prove himself as a serious actor. He's done plenty of that. And honestly, characters like Sparrow and Mad Hatter are harder characters to play anyway. He humanizes them. He adds layers to them. Anybody that knows acting, and I've heard this from people that are acting prof- acting teachers, people that are thespians, they've, they've went on record and said, Johnny's an even better actor for playing these roles and not making them you know, like such a Jack Sparrow. He's played him in four movies, and it hasn't gotten old. He keeps adding more to him. That shows you that how good of an actor he is, more so than him going and doing something just because, just for the sake of doing it. He's proving himself more playing characters like Sparrow and Mad Hatter than he is doing some of these more serious acting roles. Or, I mean, and, and that's not to say that Sparrow and Mad Hatter aren't serious roles. They are. But in many people's eyes, they're more difficult to play than him just being in some movie where he plays, you know, a, a drug addict or a family man that's cheating on his wife or something like that. You know, not just, those movies are serious too. Yes, and they can require a lot of depth as an actor. But playing a character, a pirate, and making him relatable, or playing a, the Mad Hatter and making you his emotion resonate with you, is a lot more challenging. In many people's eyes. And I just don't get the criticism. I don't. I really don't. I haven't. I still don't. I know I, people People are like, oh, he's the next Bruce Willis. You know, he fell off. He's got no drawing appeal anymore. You know, Bruce Willis is one of the examples. There's many. Keanu Reeves. Well, they don't draw anymore. Yes, there is a point where you get get in your career where as a lead actor, whereas a guy that reads a cast, that's the marquee name for a cast, you do reach a point where you no longer draw at the box office. And then maybe you start becoming more supporting or, you know, part of a cast, not the leader. That day will come for Johnny Depp. It comes for every actor or actress in the business. But it is not now. It has not come now. Now, if the next Pirates movie completely flops, if the next Alice in Wonderland movie completely flops, then I will stand corrected. And I'll say, yep, it's happened. But to me, until that happens, it has not happened. Mike? I'm going to throw a couple of numbers at you. Sure. Transcendence. Lifetime gross, $23 million. Production budget one hundred million. Total gross one hundred and three million dollars. Profitable. Lone Ranger. Lifetime gross eighty nine million. Production budget two hundred fifteen million. Worldwide gross. Just total gross two hundred and sixty. Point five. Let's go with another one, shall we? Since we're since we're just bringing it all up, Dark Shadows. 
Dark Shadows production budget $150 million, domestic gross $79 million. Widely panned as a bomb, right? We had this mm-hmm. conversation before. Total gross $245 million, profitable. Johnny Depp, realistically, has only had one bomb in about, let's see, five, six, six or seven years. Eight years, nine years, ten years. Johnny Depp said about one bomb in about ten years. That was Rum Diaries. The Rum Diary. One bomb in ten years. That movie I wouldn't have given $45 million budgets to. Johnny Depp is still a draw. The numbers do not lie. I don't care if it is barely over production budget or not. That tells me that a lot of his budgets are too high. However, when you have one bomb in about 10 years, I don't know about the Libertine. Nobody knows about the Libertine. Who cares? Limited release anyway. Weinstein. Oscars. About 10 years. One bomb. That's when you know that you're okay. Your career's just fine. Just because you didn't do so good domestically does not mean that's the end of your run. Johnny Depp's still a a draw worldwide. Mordecai, I'm not so sure about Mordecai. $60 million might have been way too much for the movie. Way too much. However, Johnny Depp is still a draw. And now, I don't care about critics of the agendas. Oh, well, we're going to pair this movie because they're not in the movie I love. They could eat a dick. He is one of the best actors in the world. Takes on so many varied roles, it's ridiculous. He goes from Jack Sparrow to Mordecai to the dude from Transcendence to Tonto to a dude from Dark Shadows to the Rum Diary guy. I mean, all these roles from The Tourist. The Tourist! It's like the most mainstream Johnny Tepp role ever. To uh, Public Enemies, where's John Dillinger? There's John Dillinger and Sweeney Todd. The man from uh, Lost in uh, the Man in La Mancha. I mean, the dude does everything from Ichabod Crane to From Al. Once upon a time in Mexico, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. He is Jam Barry in Finding Neverland. He has done. Pretty pretty much everything under the sun. Johnny Depp is one of the most versatile actors you can get in Hollywood. Does he demand a higher salary? Yes, but he's had one bomb in 10 years. So, 
I think, and uh, excuse me, let me rephrase that. I know the people complaining about his drawing power are full of crap because he's still a draw. Here in America, I I suppose, because that's where everybody focuses on because they're too blind to see that there's more to the business than just America. America is one small part of a wider empire for movies. One part of a bigger picture. No pun intended. Johnny Depp's still a draw. These people need to open their eyes and shut their mouths. Mm -hmm. Now, you can criticize the movie. I don't care. Criticizing movies is just part of the fun. Like, we, we'll, we'll sit here and criticize a Michael Bay piece of garbage all night. We oh, will. Yeah. And rant and rave about it. We're criticizing movies. We have a right to that. But we'd be stupid to realize that, we'd be stupid to say that he's not a draw. We will question why he is, but we are not going to sit here and pretend that Michael Bay doesn't bring in money. It's impossible. So Johnny Depp does draw. He does bring in money. Worldwide gross, the guy is one of the top draws in the world. So these people who don't realize that need to shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about. They don't. No. Now, I, I imagine we're going to be talking about the wrestling business, which is a totally different animal well, than something like this. It's, it's, it's not even just the wrestling business, and good transition, by the way. The other topic we're talking about is should you always listen to your audience? Now, we've this is something we da- tallied with or dallied with for the last couple of years. we kind of gone in and out of this topic. It comes up every so often. And it's a topic I've discussed with a lot of our listeners often off the air as well over the years. And it's a very derisive issue because there, on one hand, and this, and, and this can go for wrestling, especially, you know, we talked a little bit about what happened at the Rumble on Tuesday. Um, this can go for wrestling because it kind of it fits into the entertainment industry, but also goes for TV and also for film. I don't think people realize, maybe not so much for film unless you're a franchise, but it, it can affect film as well. You know, in this era of social media and, you know, the Internet and message boards, and we know executives, writers, et cetera, you know, they have Twitters, they have Facebook pages, and some of them used to frequent message boards and still do. They look at, they gauge fan reactions, and actors and actresses and such do the same. They gauge fan reactions. They want to know maybe about their performance or about their project or what people think or want to know what ideas are out there. You know, you hear Clark Gregg all the time say, boy, I've seen so many ideas on message boards and on Twitter. You see that all the time. Um, Actors and such are a little bit more open about it now than they might have been five years ago because they're all on Twitter. But, um, you know, it happens. and It's it's part of the, the, the whole world. It's part of Hollywood now. But... And I can tell you this as somebody that does a lot of writing, you know, hopes to produce some stuff someday. 
If you look, you know. And I'm on a lot of message boards and stuff too, so I know. Everybody, we might generally a lot of people might agree on something. Like we look at wrestling, there's a huge amount of people that say Daniel Bryan should have won the Rumble, but there's differing opinions on how it should have been done. There's differing opinions on what who we should be facing. You know, details are often where people differ. And then there's some times where you get a split where people think it should have been this person or it should have been that person. And TV, it can happen too. Like, oh, you know what? I think they need to do more with this character. And you might see somebody say, well, no, I think this character deserves it more. Or I think they're using this character. Oh, I don't think they should have done that. And then sometimes it comes down to the whole idea. Sometimes it comes down to specific details about the idea. And here's the thing. You can't please everybody. It's one of the it's one of the first things that I think anybody that goes into the business of entertainment, whether it's TV, film, wrestling, whatever, he needs to understand. First of all, you gotta have a thick skin. Second of all, you have to understand the concept that you can't please everybody. I've seen people, writers, producers, directors, the like, on Twitter, you know, acting surprised, like I don't understand why people have to be so hard on us. And I'm paraphrasing here, but that's basically the gist of it. You know, you don't know what we have to go through. People above us, executives, interfere with our work, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen everything, excuses. I've seen, like, you know what, uh, it's, it's a hard job. It's hard to please everyone. You know, I've seen all of it over the years. And, you, first of all, you can't react that way. You have to know that people are going to, even if you feel like 100% is the right decision, even if, you know, there's a wide majority that like what you did. There's going to be a lot of people that hate it, too. It's just the way it is. For every three or four people that like something, there could be another three or four that hate it. And that's just the way it is. We're all different. We all have our own likes and dislikes. But there are some times when there's controversy. You know, like what's been wrestling with the Rumbles the last couple of years or in film where, you know, especially if you're doing a comic book movie, there might be some fans that, especially with all, over the years how comic books have rebooted and stuff, there might be some fans that want something one way or want it a different way. In TV, same deal. Sometimes there's controversy. And sometimes as a, as a, as a creator, creator or writer or producer, you're trying to decide, and maybe you don't even know, and you go online and you look at the Facebook page for your show, for your movie, or for wrestling. Uh, or you go on that Twitter feed or you go on that message board that you like to go to to see what ideas are out there. And you look and you go, wow, which way should I go? Or maybe you've decided on your own which way to go and you're trying to gauge people's reactions to it to decide whether you should rewrite it. And, you know get out of the story that you're in or go a different direction or something. You know, you've done it. It's been a month. You want to see how it's going, how people are liking what you've decided to do. And you're getting a lot of negative reactions or, you know, middling reactions. And you're sitting there going, but you know what? I really feel in my heart that's what was best for the show, best for the character, the best story to tell. And sometimes you have to make a decision. Do I see it through to the end or do I not? And sometimes you stick, you stick up for it and you see it through the end and it's the right decision. 
and sometimes you see it through to the end, and it's the wrong decision. Or sometimes you decide to change gears, and that's the right decision or the wrong decision. There's never any right or wrong. It's Everybody's perception is different. Sometimes it takes a lot of guts if you're getting a lot of negativity to say, I'm going to stay the course. And that's something we don't see that often anymore. Too many people stay the course because people panic, especially if their show is in danger or ratings are down or money is an issue. People panic. The economy and everything, they panic. And there's some people that don't, that say, hey, we know better. And they get this air of superiority, like a Michael Bay or the WWE or others. You know, they have this like, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. We, we get this information from focus groups or we get this information from surveys or whatever. We know what is really right and you're going to see it eventually. And sometimes they are right and sometimes they're not. So what is the right answer? Is there one? Because more and more people are going to come into the entertainment world. Fresh talent is going to come into the entertainment world. Film, TV, wrestling, whatever. And as that creative person, whoever, whatever side of the coin you're on, whatever you're doing, you and you alone will sometimes have to decide sometimes. Now, you, got, you might have a team with you, a writing team or a production team, whatever, and they can help you. But if you're the lead decision maker, it might come down to you. What do you decide when all the pressure's on you from the executives or the higher-ups and the fans? What do you decide? Do you go with your gut? Do you go with what you feel is right? Do you go with what the fans feel? If the fans are conflicted, what do you do? Somebody, a, 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 a writing mentor of mine, not a personal one. Somebody I, I so it's, it's a screenwriter, and I forgot. I, I, it sounds weird. It's, a, it's kind of like I consider him a mentor, even though I've never met him. But I, I follow this work, and I can't blanking on his name right now. So that sounds ridiculous that I follow his work, and I think he's a mentor of mine, and I can't remember his name. But I once read a quote from him, and I don't even remember the quote. I just remember what, how it impacted me. And, it, and it, it, it speaks to me to this day. Whenever I write anything, it's, the whole idea, if you're a writer, you're a producer, et cetera, in this creative medium that's film, TV, whatever, you're supposed to take people on a ride, an emotional ride, an exciting ride. You take them through the ups and downs. You take them on a journey. They're not supposed to know where that journey ends. They're not supposed to know how it ends. They're not supposed to be brought in on the details. They're, they're supposed to be there engrossed, reacting, Sometimes they might get mad. Sometimes they might get sad. Sometimes they might laugh. Sometimes they might smile. But you're taking them through all that, and you hope that at the end of it, they understand it, they get it, they're satisfied, and that it works for them. If it doesn't, oh well, on to the next chapter. Not everybody's going to. And I feel like in the Internet age, in the age of social media, I feel like that no longer bears, it, it, not necessarily repeating, but it no longer is something that people think about. I remember when I was growing up and I used to watch a movie and I used to watch a TV show, there was no way to know the inner workings of the business. There was no way, unless you wrote a letter to that 
you know, TV executive or that TV show's executives or writers or to that wrestling organization's writers, unless you wrote a letter or called them and you never got an answer, but there was no way for there was no way for you to get your opinion to them, and there's no way for you to find out the inner workings unless you read like a book or something years after the fact. At the internet now, stuff leaks out all the time. We know things before they're going to happen. And we know about the inner workings. You know, in wrestling, we know who might get pushed and who might not. We know who they like and don't like. In TV and film, it's the same thing. You might hear about backstage politics. One actress fighting to be more important than the other, you know, fighting for more screen time. Like, we hear about these things. And it impacts how we watch. It impacts, you know, what we feel. Or there's that pack mentality I like to call from message boards where, you know, if you're really impressionable, which some people are, if you go into a thread and people hate a certain character on your, on your favorite show, after a while you start to go with the pack because you're afraid to go against them because you want them to like you on that board so you can keep posting and you don't feel like it's futile that your opinion doesn't get heard. I mean, it, it, it does affect some people. That's why I never watch... Film, TV, wrestling, whatever, I try as best I can. Wrestling, I don't really adhere to this too much. But I try to watch everything, watch what I want to watch first, watch a film, watch a TV show, before I read anything about it that includes spoilers or any kind of inner working, if possible. I try my best to do that. Thankfully, even when I do do that, even when I do read stuff about it beforehand, it doesn't really ruin it for me too much because I'm able to separate myself from everything. But not everybody can. But I think we we live in an era where it's too easy to get information that we shouldn't know. And I think that plays a huge role. And I do not think that we give people, creative people, film, writers, producers, directors, in TV and film, maybe in wrestling it's different, WWE is different. I think we give them plenty of leash. But film, film people, TV people, I don't think sometimes we give them enough leash. I think we really jump the gun sometimes. I think we get a little too... We want instant gratification. We live in an era where people don't want to wait anymore. People don't want to wait a season for something to happen anymore. They want to get at the next episode, which is dumb. Because, you, I mean, the payoff's not even worth it if you only have to wait an episode. You want to build. I mean, you can't write things the same way you wrote them 10 years ago. Things have got to happen quick, quick, quick now. And that sometimes means that somebody's writing gets compromised. That's more for TV shows, obviously, than film. Because films are able to pace themselves, obviously, because they're just one film. But, I, I mean, I think that we, it's kind of like, I, I know one writer called it the era of ADD, where people just don't want to wait. They want it now. You see it in wrestling all the time. Oh, I don't want to wait till WrestleMania. Why can't we have it now? Like, I mean, what what's the joy in that? What's the payoff and what's the emotional investment in that? There's none. So that's, I mean, there's a lot of things that go along with this. But I'll just say this and then I'll, I'll let Mike get in on this so we can finish. So I, 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 this is something that really is something that I'm passionate about. I've said this on message boards to people. I've always been one, of, one to say this especially in regards to TV and film. Give everything a chance. Let the people take you on a journey. Try to see some of it through. At least get through a little bit of it. And then form the opinion. 
even if it's something you don't think is a good idea at all, even if it's something that you're dead set against at the beginning, if it's, some, if it's something you care about with a movie you care about, franchise you care about, TV show you care about, something, give it a chance. You know, sometimes there's other things going on. Executives interfere with the writer's stuff. I mean, there's always other things going on. And sometimes it's just a writer or producer that says, you know what, this is what I honestly feel is the best. And even though people don't like it now, I think at the end of this they will. They'll get it. Sometimes that happens and sometimes it don't. But you'll never know if you don't give that story, that film, that show a chance. And that's what I'm saying. I think the Internet has screwed things up in many ways. I think social media has in some ways. And I think it's changed how we react to things. But there are positives to it, too, plenty of them. But the biggest thing I can say is give it a chance. Give something a chance. I can't force anybody to, obviously. But that would be my advice. Because sometimes that, if you see something through the end, you'll see, hey, you know what? They were right to do that. I would never had the guts to do that. I would have never thought of doing that. I, would have, I hated the idea of it at first. But, man, that worked out. That won't always be the case. But a lot of times it will be. Mike, you got anything to add? In the interest of time, I'm not going to say too, too much on this. However, there's an old writing adage. If you're writing a book, writing a series of books, you know, writing something, never, ever, ever cater to fans. Because that's when the story gets muddled down. If you are a writer, you see things through the end. But that's for writing. I think in this day and age, though, you need to have a finger on the pulse of the fandoms. Um, However... Like, especially with writing, uh, film, and television, if you have a direction, if you have an end game and you know how you're get and you know how you're getting there, and it makes sense, then don't deter from that. Film and television, if there's an end game and you're getting there, don't deter. However, you can throw references in. Supernatural is great at that. The, the CW show we never talk about. Supernatural is fantastic. They have an end game. They see it through. That doesn't stop them though from adding in references to what their fans think of them. They're great at getting that stuff in, and it just endears them, it endears the show to their fans even more. Mm-hmm. That's an example of it. Of doing it right. However, when when it comes to professional wrestling, it's a lot different than film and TV. Even though it likes to think of itself as entertainment, it's a different beast altogether. In professional wrestling, especially now, it is essential. That you have a finger, that you are a finger on the pulse, that you are listening to your fans, 
that you know what they want. Because the fans are the ones who are buying the shows, buying the network, pushing the merchandise. They they are the ones, they're the lifeblood of the organization. Without fans, WWE is dead. They are dead in the water. Which is why the whole, and, and this is kind of almost in response to the Daniel Bryan thing. WWE, for the last couple of years, has blatantly ignored what their fans want. They are, WWE is essentially saying, we are telling you what you want. That can work in certain aspects of entertainment. But only with well-built writers, well, well, um, really expert writers, a well-built story, consistent storyline. However, if the storyline sucks, change it. I should have said that earlier. But a really good writer will build, what was what you said, will lead you on a journey. They are telling you the story. They're telling you you can like it or you dislike it. But this is the journey, and hopefully you'll stick with it all the way through the end. That's what a good writer will do. WWE does not have good writers. And if they do have good writers, they get undermined in the last couple minutes. WWE is not an example all the time of good writing. NXT is. (laughs) NXT is the most well-written professional wrestling show on the face of this earth. They're doing a great job in NXT. Main roster is ass. It is essential in pro wrestling that you know what the fans want. Because ultimately, the fans are going to choose who they, who, they, who they cheer for. And you guys, and we were all having this conversation, well... Is it okay if Daniel Bryan is holding the, the holding the show hostage? The, Daniel Bryan wouldn't have to do anything about the show, holding it hostage, whatnot, if WWE would do the right thing. The fans have their favorites. The fans have who, who they want to cheer for. They want to cheer for Bryan. They want to cheer for Dolph Ziggler. They want to cheer for Ryback. And Ryback is the guy that WWE loves and was built organically through good storytelling, through simple presentation. They got behind Ryback. They like Ryback. Surprisingly, they got behind Ryback. And it works. Dean Ambrose, they have their favorites. And a good writer would build these guys up as the future of uh, the future good guys, essentially. However, we are being, and, and by the way, Brian, SmackDown spoilers are, are, are in. Yeah, I know. And, and their, their pet project, Roman Reigns, is getting a decidedly John Cena-esque reaction now. Thank you for that. Yes, John Cena is getting excitedly. Uh, excuse me, Roman Reigns is getting excitedly. John Cena esque re- uh, reaction now. 
which is the one thing WWE was not was was hoping would not happen. Right. Because that is not how you tell a story. You can't do the, you can't just shove a character down the throat. You need to be built up organically. And we are a year we were a year away from that happening. So WWE in terms of writing and building a story is a different animal altogether. That is that that is something we need to talk about for a wrestling show. But in terms of film, television, uh, uh, books, in terms of even 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 uh, theater, you need to take your crew on a journey, and it needs to have a strong resolution. However, you do need to keep, uh, you, need, you do need to pay attention to what your fans want, especially for some, if it's an ongoing kind of thing. You do need to pay attention, absolutely, because in a way, that, that's who's going to buy the product, too. However, in film, television, books, they cannot, fans essentially cannot dictate where the story goes. Because once that happens, you're serving too many masters. Serving too many masters, down to, you're, you're going to fail. It's got you. Got to have that focus, which is why it's different for WWE. So I, I believe this is a topic we need to revisit on a wrestling show. Yeah with a focus exclusively on WWE. And that's all I'm really going to say about that. Fair enough. Um, and it's definitely, you know, it, it's a topic that I think that we could really do a whole show about because I could go into instances over the years, especially the last few years, not just in wrestling, but in TV and film where this has happened. I can get into more specifics, but we don't have the time for that. Because um, it is a very layered uh, topic, and maybe we will go back to no doubt in the future when we talk about things. Some, some, um, talk about actual specific movies, TV shows. So this will come up again. It always does. Um, but you know, I'm, I think we I think we did a good job with it with the time we had. But both topics tonight, I think we did a good job. Of it. And for those of you that have wanted us to talk about, I think we addressed enough to satisfy. I hope we did anyway. With that all being said, we are done for tonight. Um, as always, the show might be over, but just, just because it is over does not mean you have to stop interacting, contributing to our show. You can continue to do that by email at itspotlightbg at gmail.com. Again, it's itspotlightbg at gmail.com. It's my email as well as the shows. Um, please remember to put in the subject line email some idea what your email is about, whether it's about feedback or it's a show question or reaction to something one of us said on the show or topic idea rated sports entertainment wrestling breaking news on rated sports entertainment wrestling I'll make sure we cover for the film awards some just give us some idea what it's about label it something so that we know this helps us we really do appreciate that you can also follow us and tweet us at IT Spotlight BG again it's at IT Spotlight BG that's my Twitter handle as well as the shows please remember to use the hashtag hashtag IT Spotlight and hashtag IT Spotlight for anything you tweet regarding our show you can also find us on Facebook. To find us on Facebook, to find our fan page on Facebook, search for us using our full show title in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find our fan page, like our page, and go ahead and post whatever you like to post. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or email, if you post 
Well, Sunday, I assure you, Jeff Tech and myself will see it. We check, read, and look at everything. We, you know, we can't possibly, you know, personally acknowledge everything or use everything. We don't reply back or use, mention, or acknowledge what you sent in on the show. Don't feel bad. You know, sometimes we do reply sometimes, or, or mention something specifically on the show. Sometimes we don't. But just know that we pull, we look at, read, and check everything, so just be assured of that. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest information about our show, especially as it relates to scheduling. Outside of that, the next best way to get information about our show is on our main show page here on TalkShoe.com. Search for using our full show title in the spot where Brian Gardner. And once you find our main show page, you'll have access to all the episodes since our move to TalkShoe in order from most recent to the oldest in the episode archive at the bottom of the page. All episodes will be with dates, times, numbers, and descriptions for you. You get the episode descriptions. You click on the I next to each episode. Find the episode you want, click on it, and it'll play for you. That way, if you miss the show, don't even know you missed the show, why was an episode again, or finish listening to an episode, all the information will be there to help you. Um, you can also find our most recent episode in the top right-hand corner of our show page in the most recent episode box. Just click on the play icon in that box, and the episode will play for you. So, also, whenever we schedule a show, and again, I don't usually schedule shows any earlier than about a half hour or so before showtime, just in case something changes, I don't want to confuse people. Um, so, anytime I schedule a show, two things happen on our main show page. The countdown clock appears below the most recent episode box, counting down the days, minutes, hours, minutes, seconds to our next show. And, of course, as always, an upcoming episode listing will appear above the episode archive at the bottom of the page. That will be that will have all the information about our next episode, date, time, number, and again you'll get an episode description if you click on the I next to the listing. It'll give you the full description for that episode. That way you know what's coming up on the next episode, you know, all the information about that episode, when it starts, all that. So those things happen when I schedule the show. So what you want to do, especially if you don't follow us on Facebook and Twitter, is check out our main show page regularly, especially on show days, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays, primarily Tuesdays and Thursday nights when we usually do the show at night. And, of course, Fridays, we do football Friday in the afternoon. If you want to check it during the afternoon period especially, just hit quick refresh during those time periods regularly. And then whenever I schedule the show, you'll see what I've mentioned, and you'll be able to know what's going on. So feel free to utilize our main show page here on TalkShoe.com to help you. It's there to help. Use it. We encourage you to check us out on our second home, Libsyn.com. Again, that's Libsyn.com. Search for us using our full show title, In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find our... Show page, scroll down, and you'll find um, pretty much all of the last episodes of our show from the last year. Nothing before the last year is on there, but everything from here on out will be on there. All, all the episodes are in order from most recent to the oldest. So if you're interested in listening to us on there, any of our more recent episodes, feel free to check them out. Again, they're all labeled with dates, times, numbers, and descriptions for your convenience in order from most recent to the oldest. So feel free to check us out over there on LivesIn.com. Again, that's LivesIn.com. Also, we encourage you to check us out on blogtalkradio.com, our old home from before our days here on TalkShoe. So head over to blogtalkradio.com, search for us using our full show title in the spotlight with Brian Gardner, and scroll down, and you'll find all uh, 31 of our original episodes. They're the first 31 episodes ever of our show. If you're interested, feel free to go check them out over there on blogtalkradio.com. We just had a 500 episode on Tuesday. Maybe you're feeling nostalgic. Maybe you never listened to those episodes. Well, if you haven't, feel free to go check them out. Again, there's the first 31 episodes of our show, the original 31 episodes of our show on there, over there on blogtalkradio.com if you're interested. We also encourage you to check us out on iTunes, Mike. 
search for, subscribe to, and download in the spotlight with Brian Gardner on iTunes. All of our stuff's there. So find us, enjoy us, and keep supporting us there. Hmm. Thank you, Mike. I want to thank Jeff Tech for being here tonight. Thank you, Jeff Tech. Safe travels. Enjoy Vegas. I'm sure I'll be talking through, talking to you throughout the week. I want to thank Mike for being here tonight. Thank you, Mike. It is time for bed, especially since I'm probably going to have to get up in the morning and dig myself out. Yeah. Thank myself for another great show. Pay myself on the back and thank all of you for your continued support and contributions to the show. Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate that. Uh, Jeff Tech tells me I didn't mention the 9 o'clock p.m. deadline other than the beginning of the show because there was no need to. All the ballots were received. We got them all right before 9 o'clock. Last one came, I think, five minutes before 9, so you guys did it in pretty good fashion. Guys and girls out there did it in pretty good fashion, so kudos to you. Nomination ballots have all been submitted, and now the counting begins. Next Thursday will be the big show. We will announce the nominations for the 5th Annual In the Spotlight Film Awards next Thursday. That whole episode will be all about that. We'll also announce the categories for the live voted awards. Those awards will be voted on live during the 5th Annual In the Spotlight Film Awards on Thursday, February 26th. So you want to tune in for that. It will be a big show next Thursday. Next Tuesday, as I said, will be a sports entertainment combo show. Uh, we'll do our tourney talk and tourney 10 segments for college basketball. Any other sports headlines outside of NFL we have to cover, we'll cover. Box office beat, TV picks of the week, all that stuff on Tuesday. And, of course, as I said, next Friday will be our last edition of Football Friday. Our second-to-last edition of Football Friday will be coming at you tomorrow here on TalkShoe, broadcasting live here on TalkShoe between 2.30 and 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Again, give or take a few minutes. We'll preview the Super Bowl, make our official picks for the Super Bowl to conclude our Pick 6 Challenge, talk about the Floyd Gate, maybe a little Marshawn Lynch discussion, all that coming at you tomorrow. So, second to last in the spotlight, Football Friday coming at you tomorrow. Until tomorrow, I hope you all have a great night and a great start to your day tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon broadcasting live here on Talk Show for In the Spotlight. Football Friday. Until then, have a good night, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.